Hi, everyone. This is the time of year where we want to get back into shape. It's when we start thinking about what we want for the new year ahead. So if you want to change and have a new fresh mindset and begin some new healthy habits, I want to welcome you to come join me for my free Get Back Into Shape four-part workshop series that kicks off on January 10th. Now, this four-part series, I'll be sharing four 30-minute workshops where we'll focus on a different area of your health. Our first workshop will be shifting the weight that just won't budge. On our second workshop, we'll be focusing on switching your motivation and mindset for success. Our third workshop will focus on creating a simple exercise routine that you will love. And our fourth workshop is looking at overcoming pain and moving with strength and freedom. So at the end of each workshop, I'll be answering your questions. And don't worry if you can't make them live, I've got you covered. There will be replays available. So to join me, head on over to the show notes and click the Get Back Into Shape link where you can sign up now. All right, I can't wait to see you in the workshops. I'm so excited for this. And this is a really simple way to kick off your new year with a new version of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. This week on the show, I am very lucky to have a special guest, Barb Nangle. Now, Barb is a boundaries coach, speaker, writer, and the founder and CEO of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting. Barb herself says she used to be a people pleaser, and she is now able to empower people to live their lives on purpose by coaching them to build boundary systems in their personal and professional lives. I think having boundaries, creating boundaries, and then being able to enforce boundaries, uh, you know, is one of those things that we all need to be able to do. And Barb is definitely a master at this. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. I feel like I had some coaching myself from Barb. About about creating boundaries because that is an area I know that I struggle with as many people do. So yeah, let's have a listen in, hear Barb's wisdom and uh, see if we can start setting some boundaries that really help us. Hi, I'm Kate Boyle and welcome to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you health information from diet and lifestyle to movement and nutrition. My aim is to bring you bite-sized pieces of information that you can instigate into your everyday life to change your health. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Bob, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I'm very excited about this conversation because I think I'm like the perfect person that needs to talk about boundaries because I create them and then somebody asks me to do something and I'm like, oh, I guess I can, you know, and I break the boundaries that I set for myself. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I feel like I could be the perfect person that needs to listen to this show today. (laughs) You're not alone, Kate. That's so common. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So before we dive in, can you share with listeners, you know, about a little bit about who you are and what you do? Because obviously you work with boundaries. Yes, absolutely. Hi, everybody. My name is Barb Nangle. I am in New Haven, Connecticut on the East Coast of the U.S. I am a boundaries coach. I'm the founder and CEO of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting, 
where I empower mostly women to live their lives on purpose by coaching them on how to have healthy boundaries in their personal and professional lives. I'm also a podcaster myself. My podcast is called Fragmented to Whole, Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery. And this week was episode 191. So I'm coming up on 200 in February. I'm really excited about that. And since we're talking about boundaries, I will say I do have 20-something episodes that are specifically about boundaries. And I have a Spotify playlist specifically with those episodes. So I can share that with you. Yeah, we'll link them up in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. Sure, absolutely. And my favorite place to hang out on um, social media is Instagram. I'm at Higher Power Coaching. Easy, simple. So how did you get into becoming a boundaries coach? Yeah, great question. So I'm not sure how much of a backstory you want, but I will, I'll, I'll just start and you can kind of direct me if you feel like I'm going too far afield. So I'm 59 now. And when I was 52, I um, met a homeless guy named Dan through my church. And it was right around the same time that I um, had volunteered to serve, uh, a pro- to lead a project serving homeless people. And I felt like, oh, this was like divine intervention. The universe was bringing me a homeless friend so that I could know like a homeless person as a person. So when I'm doing this project and so he and I became really friendly and a couple months into our friendship, there was a snowstorm and I invited him to stay at my home and he did. And then he stayed another time and another time. And then by a couple months later, he was practically living with me. I felt trapped in my own home. I was in therapy and I will tell you, Kate, I had been in therapy since about age 15, not entirely continuously, but you know, we're talking like almost 37 years of therapy, read a gajillion self-help books, workshops, workbooks, work groups, physical fitness, health, safe health, you know, nutrition, um, spiritual, like you name it. And I was in therapy talking about him and I, in mid sentence, I stopped and I went, Oh my God do you think I need to go to Al-Anon? And for those of you who don't know, Al-Anon is a 12-step recovery program for the loved ones of alcoholics. And we need this program because the things that we think we're doing to help the alcoholic are actually the opposite. And so we need a program. And I had heard of this and my therapist was like, yes. So I went home and I don't know what I put into Google, but I was looking for Al-Anon and I came across this word codependent. And I had never heard it before. And I was like, what is this? And how is it possible that this has escaped me? So I got into recovery for codependence. And then I found not long after another 12-step recovery program that was an even better fit for me. And then a year later, I found out through a friend in recovery that I was a compulsive overeater and got into recovery for that as well. And really it was 12 step recovery that taught me a, that I didn't have boundaries and B how to have them. And honestly, since I know that you're a health coach and so people's physical health and their eating and their, all that stuff is really important. I learned a lot of my boundaries through my food recovery program, because having a food plan, for example, is a boundary. And I also had to be clear with people when they were trying to push food on me and that sort of thing. So it was really through the process of 12-step recovery that I learned how to form boundaries. And then it was a whole series of serendipitous events through which I decided to start my own coaching and consulting firm. And I had it for a little while, a couple years before I decided to hone in on boundaries. And the reason I honed in on boundary was one, they absolute game changer in my life, especially because 
because, you know, codependence was my core issue and boundaries are the antidote to codependence, partly because I'm really good at helping people form healthy boundaries. I think because of my lived experience of, I know what it's like in my body to not have them and in my body to have them partly because every client I ever had needed help with boundaries. And then I also needed a niche. And so it just really made total sense for me to become a boundaries coach. Yeah. Well, a lot of what you say, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that having boundaries can change things, but sometimes it's hard to create them and then stick with them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say, like you were saying before, you create a boundary and then you take it back. I would say that's not actually a boundary then because it's, I call what I tell my clients is those are hopes and wishes that you have. A boundary has actual consequences to it. Most of the time, the consequence for a boundary is that you just restate what you said. So for example, if I say to somebody, please don't put that there, and they put it there, I say, please don't put that there. Most people will be like, oh, okay. (laughs) But of course, the hardest part of boundaries, well, the two hardest parts are one, um, following through for ourselves us following through into the feelings that arise because most of us are riddled with guilt and shame when we go to set boundaries. Those are the two feelings I hear about the most of the ones I had. And we could become so um, overwhelmed by them that we just let go of the boundary because we can't manage the feelings. So a lot of the boundaries work is managing your feelings. And, and what I found was that Um, even though I've always had high self-esteem, I didn't really have high self-worth. And that was a huge part of me not being able to uphold my boundaries. But what I also found was that the process of forming healthy boundaries enhanced my self-worth because I started showing up for myself. And then that made me feel better. And ironically, when you feel better, it's easier to set a boundary. And then when you set the boundary, you feel better. And it's like this process that goes on and on and on and on. Yeah, well, I can definitely relate to the guilt bit because my I'd say my biggest thing around boundaries is clients will say to me, oh, I can't make this time. Could you do this time instead? Generally, the time I suggest is not when I usually work. And I'll be like, ah, yeah, yeah, I'll fit you in. Mm -hmm. Same thing. I I think I've got good self-esteem, but I probably don't have fantastic self-worth thinking Mm. about more of it. And I think it's around that. I always want to help people. I'm the type of person that's like, I don't, it's not because I need the money. It's not because I need, think they're going to leave. I just always am that person that wants to help that person. And if it's going to help that person, then I will do it, even though I know it's probably going to be a detriment to me sometimes. Right, right. So I will say, Kate, that I was a volunteeraholic before I got into recovery. I volunteered for all different kinds of things all the time. And I give way more service to my community now than I ever did before recovery. But I do it at the times of my choice. And I also schedule it. So if I were coaching you about your boundaries, if you will allow me to do that, what I would recommend for you is that you make us a windows of time during which you are willing to work. And if they name a time that's in that, you go, absolutely. And if they don't, then you say, I can't do that, but here's what I can do. You know, or the other thing you do is don't even wait. If they say, I can't make this time, don't wait for them to suggest something. Say, okay, well, here are the two options that I have for you. Because they're 
asking you to make an accommodation. And so it makes sense for you to say, well, here are the two ways I can accommodate you, not here are the 75 ways I can accommodate you. Yeah. Right? So if Very you decide advice. ahead of time, yeah. So that's, and I think for me, time is one of my most important boundaries because I used to give my time away to other people all the time. So I totally understand what you're talking about. And I think there's a myth that people think that if I set boundaries, I'm no longer nice or I'm no longer kind or I'm no longer helpful to people. And like I said, I give way more service to my community now than I ever do. And I'm never, ever resentful about it because I set aside the time for myself. And if it's not time that I had already set aside and I choose to do it, I'm very conscious. I am choosing to do this here because I, I want to be helpful to this person. So it's wonderful to be helpful to people, but if it's to your detriment, like you're tapping yourself out and you want to, there's this speaker and writer, Ashley Kirkwood, she talks about don't pour from your cup, pour from your overflow. So the way that your cup overflows is by you filling your cup first. So when you're taking care of yourself first and you put aside the time to do all of your self-care routines and stuff like that, then you have all this energy to give other people. And so the way that I think about it is, you know, before I had healthy boundaries, I really needed people's approval. I didn't understand that was what was going on. I thought I was really helpful to people because I was, quote, nice. And I learned that through the process of, you know, going through recovery and forming healthy boundaries. So here's what happened. I remember being in a recovery meeting and I said to this woman, listen, I'm starting to understand there's this continuum of helpfulness. On one end, there's kindly, helpful, healthy, functional behavior. And on the other end, there's this dysfunctional rescuing, enabling, fixing, saving, you know, dysfunctional behavior. And I get the two ends. It's in the middle. Like, where do you cross over from being helpful to being rescuing? Mm. Or where do you, the opposite? How do you stop rescuing and just become regular helping, helpful? And she said, you know, Barbara, it really depends on why you're doing it. Are you doing it to be helpful to them? Or are you doing it so they will like you? And I was like, I'm totally doing it to be helpful to them. <laughs> but as time went on, Kate, and it kind of sunk into my brain, I was like, oh my goodness, I am doing it. So really for their approval. So it isn't necessarily that they will like me. It's that they will think that I'm nice, that I'm kind, that I'm helpful, that I'm generous. Like God forbid somebody think that I'm a jerk or that I'm unhelpful or that I'm mean or I'm rude. So when I started to see that, I started asking myself the question, what are my motives? That has been one of the most powerful questions for me in terms of what is the right boundary for me to set? What is healthy for me? And then the other question that's also really helpful for me in terms of setting boundaries is, does this serve me? And when I say, does this serve me? I mean, does this serve my highest good? Does it keep me in alignment with my values? So if I'm, if I'm pure with my motives and I'm in alignment with my values, then that is a good, healthy decision for me. That's the quote, right boundary for me. But everybody's boundary is going to be different because everybody's values are different. So I think, you know, that that process of recovery and having other people like reflect things back to me was really, really helpful to me. 
Yeah, I would I would agree in listening to that just from the sense that in my brain I'm thinking if I set a boundary and then I don't follow through on it is because is it because I've set it too strict or is it because I still need to work through more of that motive mm-hmm. of why I'm setting the boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it could be either one or both. That's really only something that you kind of have to process with yourself. But here's, so what I do with my clients is when I start coaching with everybody, the first thing I have them do is identify their their top five values. Now, everybody has more than five values, but we pick five because it's a small enough number that you can kind of hold on to what those five are, but it's not so large that, you know, you can't, that you're all over the place. And so I have them do that because here's what you want to do. You want to make decisions about how you want to live your life. I call it living your life on purpose. And that is how you know where and when to set the boundaries. So you use your values. So for example, health is obviously a very important value for you. So you're going to have boundaries in place that support your health. And so if there's a conflict and it's a choice between supporting your health and, you know, some other thing that is way down on the list for you, then it's pretty clear. I'm going to do the thing that supports my health, right? So deciding ahead of time is, I think, going to be the most helpful for you um, in terms of, well, when do I want to um, move these boundaries around? And, you know, one of the questions that you had asked me via email was about the flexibility of boundaries. Like, do they have to stay? Are they rigid? And the thing is, your boundaries are yours and they're very flexible. There's a metaphor that lots of people use when it comes to boundaries and I use it too. It's very helpful. It's boundaries are like a fence with a gate in it. They're not like a wall. They're like a fence. So a fence is flexible and there's a gate in it. And so if you think of the fence itself as your boundary and the gate itself, those are your property, but so is everything inside. And you're the gatekeeper. Other people are not, which means you're the one that's in charge. If somebody's crossing your boundary, you're the one that gets to close the gate. If they're walking all over you, it's because you left the gate open. Mm. It's not because of it's like you want to, we want to blame the other people for not respecting our boundaries, but there are boundaries. and we're in charge. So I think um, for you and really for everybody deciding ahead of time, what's important to me. And then here's, you know, how I'm going to decide where my boundaries go based on what's important to me. And of course, there are going to be times in the moment when things are going to shift, either because you're really stressed out or because somebody has an emergency and you want to accommodate them. And, you know, those things you're going to deal with on a case by case basis. But if you set up you know, I'm, in my head, I almost set policies for yourself. A policy is a boundary. Mm-hmm. It's here's how we're going to handle something with this company or this organization. It's a boundary. These are the boundaries of the organization. So you can have personal policies about, you know, maybe only two clients per week will I allow to switch. You know, it could be something like that. You get to decide for yourself. And the way you know if something is, quote, the right boundary for you, is how does it feel? Do you feel at ease? Do you feel I can take a nice deep breath and catch my breath and relax? That's a good boundary because we want to feel comfortable in our own skin and be around people who are comfortable in their own skin. 
And when we can breathe easy, then that means, you know, we've got a good boundary in place. Yeah. And I guess it's making sure that we don't worry about what other people think of our boundaries as well, because they're our boundaries. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny that you said it just like that, because for me, when I, when it was clear that I, like, I now have good boundaries, I would talk to other people in recovery, especially new people. And they're like, okay, wait, what happened? Like, how did you go from no boundaries to healthy boundaries? And I realized that I started to care more what I think of me than what other people think of me. Now, this doesn't mean I don't care at all what other people think of me. Of course I do, right? But what it means is before I had healthy boundaries, I was willing to throw my integrity out the window and say yes to people when I didn't want to, or to say no to things that I really wanted to say yes to because I was afraid of what other people think. And what happens now is my honesty and my inte- my integrity as a woman of honesty is so much more important to me than what you will think of than what you think of me. I want you to like me and to approve of me, but I don't need you to approve of me the way that I used to. And here's why: because I approve of me now, because I'm living in alignment with my values, because I'm an honest woman of integrity. When I found out that I was a people pleaser, I was astonished because I remember hearing that phrase years ago and I was like, I'm not a people pleaser. My friend Joanne is a people pleaser. (laughs) And that doesn't mean that she's not, but I just didn't know that about myself. So I found out I was a people pleaser. And then I found out people pleasing is not nice. It's actually manipulative and dishonest. So it's manipulative because we're doing things because we want people to approve of us or like us or think we're nice. And it's dishonest because we're agreeing to things we don't want to agree to. That's not nice. So what I tell my clients is, let's not worry about being nice. Let's think about being kind because kind people tell the truth. Kind people say yes when they mean yes, and they say no when they mean no. So when I say yes to somebody, they know I'm in. When I say no, they trust me because they trust that I'm going to tell them the truth, which means they trust me about so many other things. So the people pleasing was a a huge eye opener for me. And the coming to care more what I think of me than what other people do has been so huge. And it's really shown me that learning how to form healthy boundaries is really all about learning how to live your life in integrity, deciding this is what's important to me and that's how I'm going to live. And, you know, I think one of the simplest ways to talk about what is a boundary, it's a standard. It's a standard that you have for your life, hopefully that you live up to. The part about having standards in your life or about having boundaries in your life that most people think about is the part where we tell other people what the standards are, where we communicate the boundaries. Most of your boundaries don't affect other people. Most of your boundaries are your own things, your own following through for yourself. And you know, like I, like I said, I was 52 when I got into recovery. I abandoned myself a gajillion times in my life. I did not show up for myself. I didn't follow through for myself. I couldn't be consistent. And learning how to form healthy boundaries is all about showing up for yourself, having your own back, learning to be consistent, living your life in alignment with your values being predictable to yourself and to other people so that when you say 
yes, they know that it's a real enthusiastic yes. And when you say no, they know like, you know, it's this isn't really up for negotiation. You know, she said no and she meant no. Yeah. And what happens if you create boundaries for yourself, but maybe you have a partner that you're living with and they don't understand the boundaries or they don't think that they're a reasonable boundary Mm -hmm. (laughs) what do you do then because the boundary may be really important to you um but they might not understand why you need this boundary or potentially not respect it either right yeah so that is the hardest part so the feelings is the hardest part for the person setting the boundary. And then also the pushback, I call it pushback behaviors from other people when they don't agree with them or they don't respect them. And so I want to talk about there's a difference between teaching people who've been around for a long time, your new boundaries, and having boundaries with people that are new coming into your life, right? So obviously, if you set boundaries, and people knew, and they, they come into your life, and they've never met you before, that's all they know. And that's really easy to do. I mean, it might not be super easy to do if you're just starting it, but it's definitely easier because you don't have an emotional connection with those people. But what can happen when you're setting boundaries with new people is you get reinforced for doing it. You get to feel the freedom of what it feels like to have boundaries with these new people. And it gives you evidence this works and this I deserve this and it feels really good. So that it shores you up in the let me set boundaries with the people who've been around for a long time department. So when it comes to people that you're, so we're always teaching people how to treat us. We've always done that. It's just when you start setting boundaries, you're being very purposeful about teaching them how to treat you. And so it really depends on what the boundary is, but it is nobody's business. People don't need to understand your boundaries. What we want them to do is respect our boundaries. And we have to decide for ourselves, like how much negotiation am I willing to have here? Or maybe I need to start with a smaller boundary and build up from there, you know, with this person. It really depends on the situation. But I would say, you know, the way that I I teach, I call it the three strikes method with, with my clients. And it's essentially, it's not like, here's a specific formula for how you set boundaries, but it's basically your consequence gets more firm over time. So like if you set a boundary with someone and they don't respect it, first of all, remember that many people don't respect your boundary because it's new behavior. And they're like, what, what is this thing that you're doing? It's not because they're jerks or they hate you or they don't respect you. I mean, there might be some people like that, but for most people it's innocent. They don't, they forgot or they don't believe you because you've never done it before. So you want to give people the benefit of the doubt. And then like, so let's just say like, you know, I'm in my office and the door is closed and somebody just walks right in my office and doesn't knock. And I say, please knock before entering. And the next time they just walk right in and I go, I guess you forgot that I asked you to knock. So please knock before coming in. And then they do it again. So I get up, I walk them out the door and I say, I'm going to have you knock on the door before you come in because like I'm, I'm pausing, I'm giving a greater consequence. Like I'm not letting this slide. Like I'm going to actually walk you through this process and show you how to do it. So you get more and more firm in your consequences. 
Now, if people just will not respect your boundaries at all, because either they are incapable of it, maybe they, you know, they have a mental illness or a personality disorder, or they're super disrespectful, then you get to decide, what am I going to do about this? So let me give you an example. So my older brother is um, a difficult person and he is a very loud person and he is a very political person. And I stopped actually right before I got into recovery, I stopped paying attention to the news and listening to politics because it's not good for my mental health. And so when I got into recovery and I started forming healthy boundaries, I tried to say to him, listen, Steve, um, my ears hurt when you talk that loud and I don't want to talk about politics. And I thought I was setting boundaries with him. And what I was actually doing was trying to control him. So I can't turn him into a quiet person. I can't turn him into a person that doesn't talk politics. And so I eventually realized he's literally incapable of talking quietly. And he is incapable of not talking about politics. So I can't change him, but I can change me. So what am I going to do about it? So what I decided to do was spend and very little time with him. I shrunk the window of time that I spent with him. And I realized I started with 90 minutes. I'm like, no, I think 60 minutes is my absolute. And I'm like, no, I think it's more like 55 minutes is my limit with him. (laughs) And then the other thing I did was not just a small window of time with him, but lots of space in between. So instead of seeing him four, five, six times a year, I see him once or twice. Now I actually really, I I haven't seen him since the, the pandemic, but Um, I just spend so much less time with him because I can't turn him into a different person. So you just have to decide like, how important is this for me? So I hope that example helped illustrate what I'm talking about. It does because I have somebody in my life as well. That's very similar. (laughs) Um, And by dialing the time back, it has been so much better for me. But then when I do see them, they are like, why don't you see me more? Why don't you spend more time? Why don't you? (laughs) And a bit like you, I don't, I know they're not going to change. I, you know, we've had Mm -hmm. conversations about what's not great and nothing changes. So then I reduce my time, but then they hassle me about why am I not, you know, catching up and visiting more often and and all the rest of it, which then I battle with because I think, I should just be able to suck it up. I should just be able to. But when I don't see them, I'm much happier. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So one of the other things, a skill that's really kind of imperative to develop with healthy boundaries is learning how to directly communicate with people, which is, I mean, you know, telling them directly, you know, I'm, I'm uncomfortable when I'm around you because whatever it is, like if my brother asked me, which he wouldn't, I just know he wouldn't. I would say, you know, your voice is so loud and it's really painful for me. And I just, you know, I can't, I can't tolerate it. Or I've asked you not to talk about politics because it's really not good for my mental health and and you just can't seem to respect it. So, you know, that's why I don't come around. And so, you know, if you can't do that, you know, I'm not sure what to tell you, like, but telling yourself you should be able to suck it up, that's not helpful. I mean, yeah. you, you get to do whatever you want and you get to be as um, transparent with people as you are comfortable being, you know, but I would say like bottom line, do not lie because when you lie, 
you are chipping away at your integrity, which is that's where your self-worth comes from. And Mm -hmm. it's hard to be whole. So this has everything to do with why my podcast is called Fragmented to Whole Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery. Because I, I was like this fragmented pieces floating around in space before I was in recovery. And recovery helped me to integrate those fragments into one coherent whole. Well, integrity and wholeness are the same. So now I can be rocked by things that happen to me, but I can't be shattered by them the way that I used to because I'm whole. I'm in my integrity. So if you lie to that person, you're chipping away at your integrity and it's hard to stand tall in in your healthy boundaries when you're not telling the truth. Mm. So one of the things I just came up with this recently and in fact, I did a podcast episode on it. And I, I made this up while I was talking to a sponsee in recovery. And I said, well, tell the blurry truth. Here's what I mean by that. So this was a young lady who is in a treatment program and her mom is paying for it. So her mom wants to know every single detail. And she wants to share some things with her mom. But for example, she doesn't want to talk about what she talked about in therapy with her mom, Right. So I said, you want to tell the truth to your mom because you want to be in your integrity, but you want to kind of hide some of the information from her, make it blurry. So you say, mom, I'm, I want you to know some stuff about my recovery, but I'm uncomfortable telling you about my therapy. So saying I'm uncomfortable is the truth but it obscures what's going on in therapy and why she doesn't want to share it with her, right? So she's told the truth, but kept some of it. So like, if there's a way for you to say something like, you know, I'm uncomfortable. And if they say, why are you uncomfortable? It's like the way they respond is that what's going to tell you what to do next. If they say I'm uncomfortable and you, excuse me, If they say, why are you uncomfortable? And you don't want to tell them, you can say, I just am. Right? Or you could say, I'm uncomfortable because you talk so loud and it's really painful for my ears. You know, you get to decide. But if they say, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, that makes you uncomfortable. So you see, the way they respond determines how you're going to respond to them. Because if they're like, what do you mean you're uncomfortable? then you're probably going to say, I just am. But if they say, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry I've made you uncomfortable. Is there anything I can do? And then there's a whole range in between those those two types of responses that you know that somebody could respond with. And then you decide from there, how am I going to handle this? Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm interrupting this podcast to let you know that you can download a free 15-minute core Pilates workout that I've designed especially for you to work your entire body and your core, including your pelvic floor and deep layer of abdominals to really build strength, stability, and mobility. This is a nice quick workout. You can fit into your day. It's definitely 100% doable. You don't need any equipment to do it. And I guarantee once you finish your 15 minutes of Pilates, you will feel stronger, more energized, taller, and really joyful and happy for moving your body and getting those endorphins moving. So 
don't forget, head on over to the show notes and download that free core workout and try some Pilates with me. I can't wait to see you on your mat. Now, can we segue to, you were telling me before we started recording that you had lost over 100 pounds through your 12-step recovery program. How have boundaries, you know, obviously they clearly helped with that. Can you share? Yeah, yeah. So I was a year into my um, other program and had really started learning how poor my boundaries were. So I was able to start showing up for myself, following through for myself, having my own back. So that was part of it. Um, that I also started getting into integrity. So when I had to, um, like create a food plan and share it with somebody else and be honest with them about my food. Um, like I texted somebody in the beginning, like for me, I'm a sugar addict. I'm a compulsive overeater and sugar addict. So I, in the beginning, I just texted the friend that like kind of brought me into this program every day and said, I'm not having sugar today. And it became important to me to live up to my word. So I texted her first thing in the morning, but I woke up and texted her. So I was not craving sugar on the moment of waking up. So, and I was like the rest of the day, if I wanted sugar, I'm like, Oh, I already told her I wasn't going to do it. So then I would tell myself, Oh, I can do that tomorrow. So the way I think of that as I drew a boundary around today. So one of the most common sayings from 12 step recovery is one day at a time. So all I had to do was live one day without sugar and without compulsive overeating. And so you could think of that one day as being a boundary. And then um, I weigh and measure my food and I plan it ahead of time. And those are boundaries. I have a boundary around how much food I eat. I have a boundary around the approximate times I eat. I eat three meals and two snacks a day. And I have an approximate time that I eat, you know, windows of time during which I eat. And, um, I also had to learn healthy boundaries in terms of talking with people about my food. I bring my food with me many places because that's what I need to do to stay on my food plan and in my integrity and to feel. And the thing is, when I go and I have my food with me, I never regret it. But if I go and I don't bring my food with me and I have to figure out what's going to happen, I often regret it. So I'm just defaulting to mostly I bring my food with me. But especially when it comes to the sugar, in the beginning, I would say to people, I don't eat sugar. Well, then they decided they needed to quiz me. Well, do you eat fruit? What about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? And where I finally landed is if it is relevant for me to say something to people, what I say is I have food issues. Well, nowadays, so many people have so many food issues, whether, you know, you're vegan or it's gluten or you know, your paleo or whatever, people don't ask usually, you know, they're like, oh, okay, when you just say I have food issues. So I had to learn, where's the boundary for me in terms of how much information. And also people push food, especially Mm -hmm. as like, I was really heavy when I first got into recovery. So people look at me, I'm heavy, it looks like I eat a lot, you know, so they feel like they can, oh, you know, don't you want some pie or some whatever. And I had to learn to be very um, strong in my boundaries and just, and I, I personally just say, no, thanks. No, thank you. Not interested. No, thanks. Not today. You know, now I typically will tell people like ahead of time, I don't eat sweets, but, and you know, that's, and they're like, oh, you're so good. And then if I know them and I, or I'm going to get to know them, I might say, actually, it's, 
it, um, you know, I'm in a 12 step recovery program and I use my higher power as a way to help me with this program. And I've also done a lot of work. So it's not my willpower. It's really not my willpower. So there's, I mean, I could go on. There's so many ways that, you know, boundaries have, have impacted my health and enable me to sustain my health. Yeah. And I agree. A lot of people do push food. I dislike that when you do go around to someone's house and usually they've over-catered as well because they're having people around. So there's not just like say one sweet treat, there's like three different ones and they want you to have all three. And you're like, right. well, no, like, I, I, yeah. you know, and even then I'm, I'm a, I have, I have, it's interesting when you talk about boundaries because we all have them around many different things. We just, right. I haven't thought about them as boundaries. I've thought of them probably more as habits. Um, right. You know, like I don't, I don't snack in the morning. It's just, it's a habit that I have. Right. So if I go around to someone's house for say, they'll say, come around for morning tea. I don't really eat morning tea, so I'm not going to eat cake at morning tea. But then they, you know, like, come on, have this, have that, have this. You're like, no, thank you. No, thank you. And you feel like you keep saying it, like they're trying to almost wear you down, which I don't know if they are. I think they're just generally trying to be kind and they want you to try it, but it does sometimes feel like it's wearing you down. Right. No, I I hear you. And I think like, I I can't think of a circumstance where that's happened to me where they keep, 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 keep pushing. But I think if they did, I would eventually say, you know, I'm starting to feel uncomfortable that I have to keep saying no. So please stop asking, you know, and here's the thing before I had boundaries, Kate, I thought that was rude. Like if somebody said that to me, I'd be like, Oh my God, you're so rude. It's not rude to be direct with people and tell them the truth. Like they're actually being rude Mm -hmm. to you by not listening to you. When you keep saying, no, thank you. If you said no, thank you more than say three times, that's actually them not listening to you. That's rude. Yeah. And I, but I don't think people flip it around and think of it that way. And I think sometimes it's potentially a cultural thing too. Yes. Agreed. Um, Yeah. 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 Actually, I was just on a call with uh, an Irish woman um, recently, and she was telling me that they're in her family lineage. It's, that people would offer tea and you're supposed to refuse. But when they get to like the fourth time, then you know they really mean it because you weren't supposed to refuse because maybe they actually don't have tea (laughs) or they only have enough tea because people were so poor for so long that there's this cultural thing that's developed that you actually do offer several times and you refuse several times. And then you're like, oh, okay, they must actually have tea to serve me now. You know, and that was really eye opening for me. So, yeah, there's all kinds of things, you know, that are that are cultural. And um, this is why um, we need to take, you know, people's culture into uh, into account. And that's another reason why I think direct communication is so important that you can say, you know, in my culture, we don't do that. Or in my culture, what that means is this. Yeah. And I, as you said, I think honesty is is a very good thing to have and to use. But I think a lot of people feel uncomfortable using honesty because they think yeah. that it will be deemed as rude and then right. they don't right. follow through. Yeah. I mean, and that that was me. I mean, I remember I had this one friend that was pretty direct 
And I always really trusted her, but I was always like, that's kind of rude. And, um, but she, I definitely trusted her and she was someone I would always like, if I had a dilemma, I would go to her because I knew she would tell me the truth. And now I'm like, oh, I'm like that now. I am the way that she is now because it just was so foreign to me. We did not directly communicate in my family. I remember one time my, so I have an older brother who's a year and a half younger than me and a younger brother who's eight years younger. He is now deceased. But um, when he was in his late teens, so my older brother and I would have been in our mid to late twenties. Um, we we had all talked about something about our mom and my younger brother went to my mom and was like, mom, is this true? And my older brother and I were like, what? You asked her? Like you asked the person involved in the situation about the situation? Like we were aghast that he would even think of doing that because in my family, you didn't talk to the person involved. You talked to everybody around them. You know, and you you just made stuff up or you lied and said you liked stuff that you didn't because it was, quote, rude. And it's not rude to tell the truth. Like when you think about it, to, like when you say the words, it's rude to tell the truth to people. What? That doesn't make any sense. No, so. but you bring up a really good point that a lot of people may have developed boundaries or habits based on how they've been brought up and what they've learnt. And sometimes they might not even be aware that that's what's influencing their boundaries they've created. Right. And that's, you know, that's really where it comes from. I know that, you know, for most people with um, unhealthy boundaries, they either grew up in an enmeshed family, you know, where the family, like everybody's in everybody's business, or they were abandoned. Usually abandoned means emotionally abandoned. Sometimes it can mean other forms of that. Or both. And so if you grew up in an enmeshed family, setting boundaries is painful because you've always been like together with other people. It's like they're you and you're them. And so to differentiate from them can be painful. And then if you grew up in a family where there's abandonment, you don't have models of what it's like to be healthy, have healthy separation. So to you, setting a boundary might feel like abandonment. So it can be difficult whether you were abandoned excuse me, whether you were enmeshed or abandoned, but if you've had both, which was the case in my family, it's even more difficult to set boundaries because you're like, I'm, you know, I want to differentiate, but it's painful and I don't want to set boundaries because I don't want to be abandoned. And I know. And so for me, I learned how to set boundaries really in my 12 step group. There was a group of uh, four of us women and I had them, I think of them now as like boundary buddies. And I, I don't think until a couple years after that group split up, which was, we did the 12 steps together over two years. And then when we were done, you know, we, the group um, disbanded, it was probably two years after that, that I realized how important it was having them as my boundary partners, because they were going through the same thing as me. They were affirming me. The way I think of it is they were sometimes literally holding my hand and sometimes metaphorically holding my hand through the process. So they were saying things like, Barb, you're not a bad person. You deserve to set this boundary. It's okay for you to do this. We get what you're going through. And, you know, that was really, really helpful. And, you know, because the feelings are so hard. And when you have other people that are going through the same process as you, and you can call them on the phone and say, oh my God, I just set this boundary and they listen to me, but I'm having all these feelings and I need to process them. And having them 
see you and hear you and know what it's like and have you affirm you and say, yes, you're a good person and you're not a bad person for doing this. Or if you go to set the boundary and then you cave and you don't do it and you say to them, I can't believe I caved on myself again. They're going to be like, listen, there's always another time. Like you got an experience and then now you have this experience and you don't want to have this again. So what can we do next time? And it's just really helpful to have some one working with you when you're learning how to set boundaries. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And I want to ask, because we're recording this around the holiday period, and I said to my husband yesterday, um, you know, working with the clients in the studio, I'm surprised how many people have come in and said, next year, I'm going on holiday. Like I'm done with Christmas. I don't want to be around. I feel like this time of year can be very difficult for people, especially when it's, there's, you know, family and conflicts and maybe there's not boundaries being set. Do you have any, you know, helpful hints for people around the holidays if they're kind of feeling that they're potentially either clashing with family members or there's events on that maybe they don't want to attend or maybe they don't want to host and they're not sure what to do? Yeah. So it's funny that you say that because I just recently did four um, one-hour free boundaries workshops specifically to prepare people for for the holidays which I'm happy to send you the link to the page where people can look over those and decide if they want the replays of those for free. Yeah, that would be great. But there's so many things. And and I think um, one is like set the boundary as soon as possible. Like if you know that you're not going to go, tell them immediately. Don't wait. Because, you know, waiting for the right time. Like I always used to wait for the right time for things. The right time is now. That's the right time. The right time doesn't come. The right time is now. So set the boundary as soon as you know. And, you know, be gracious about it. So say something like, you know, mom, I'm not going to make it for the holidays today, but you know, this year, I know that you're sad. I'm sad too. Um, you know, we'll do, you know, maybe give an alternative to something else that you can do. We'll come in January. We'll come in February. Um, I think, um, also just really deciding for yourself, what do you want your holidays to be like? That's like, starting with your values for the holidays. What do you value for the holiday? What is a rich love? yummy holiday experience for you and then set your boundaries around that like what is it that you want and if you feel like you know I want to have these five things happen for the holidays as long as these five things happen then I'm okay with everything else then plug those five things into your calendar first get clear like I'm doing these things and then everything else I'm okay with as long as I and maybe those five things are naps you know I don't I don't know what they are right or you know, I get to rest or I get to have two hours by myself on Christmas day or, you know, whatever it is that you need, but decide ahead of time, you know, what you want. And then I think, you know, it's the boundaries with ourselves that are the hardest boundaries. They really are. And so just knowing that you deserve peace, you deserve rest, you deserve to have the kind of holidays that you want to have. And, um, I mean, I could go on, I have so many more tips, but I hope that that's yeah, helpful. That's brilliant because I think, yeah, some of those things people, you know, the preparing them ahead of time is a really big thing. So then you're clear on what you want. And then, as you said, you can instigate them, block out time, whatever you need to do to make mm-hmm. sure that they're, you know, scheduled in for your schedule, I think is a really great tip. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. 
Amazing. Now, we always finish off the podcast. I like to ask uh, my guests that if there's one sort of piece of health advice that our listeners could go away and instigate straight away after listening to this podcast, what would you suggest? So I always go with keep the focus on yourself. And I mean that in a variety of ways. But in this context, I'm going to say keeping the focus on yourself means taking good care of yourself, acting, you know, really good self care. So for me personally, that means things like prayer, meditation, I do a mini yoga routine every morning and every night, I journal, you know, I do daily readers and that sort of thing, I need to do those things. Like I'm a jerk if I don't do those things, right? (laughs) So that self care, but maybe other people don't need those kind of things. Like what do you need to fuel yourself for the day? Or maybe you can't deal with it in the morning and you need to take a break in the afternoon and do your self-care routine. Or maybe you need to do it at night right before you go to bed. You decide for yourself. But what do I need to fuel myself? So keep the focus on yourself. Don't be so worried about other people because if you take keep the focus on yourself, you'll have so much more energy to give to other people. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, you know, everybody always says, fill up your cup first, you know, let it overflow, yeah. use the overflow or put your oxygen mask on first and yes. then you can help yes. others. We yes. hear it, but we don't necessarily instigate it. Right. But then when we do, it's um, miraculous. It is miraculous when we do. It's really amazing the shift that happens. Yeah, I 100% agree. The other morning, I, um, it, you know, on the weekend, I got up, I went for a run, I did some Pilates, I did my thing, I got up early, and I felt amazing. So then when my girls got up, I was just like, yep, I feel amazing. I feel filled up with all my energy. You know, I've had my yeah. time. And then, you know, I think I was an even better mum because I had spent that time on myself. Of course. Yes, yes. And you're all energized and you're like ready, raring to go with them and you're happy and you like give that energy to them and it's contagious and all that. Absolutely. I love it. Perfect example. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'll be sure to link up all the links in the show notes as well. So listeners can head across there. But thank you again. I think this is a really important topic. Obviously, I need to do some more work around my own boundaries. But I think it's one of those things that so many people need to work on boundaries. And this is just a, a great start for people to have a listen to. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Kate. And I wish you all the best over the holidays and Happy New Year. Thank you. Thanks for listening into the podcast. Please hit subscribe to be updated for each time we release a new podcast.